0: Hi, I'm Heather Bruschetti at the Business Council of New York State. I'm the president and CEO, and now I am the host of this podcast called Connect, the Business Council podcast.
1: The Connect podcast aims to bring you the most interesting interviews with business leaders and newsmakers from around the state. And now here's the host of Connect, Heather Bruschetti.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Connect Podcast. I am your host, Heather Braschetti. Today's guest is Congressman Anthony Brindisi of the 22nd District in New York. Congressman Brindisi lives in Utica and has been a true friend and ally of the Business Council. Uh, We worked together hard on USMCA, and uh, sadly, that seems like a very very long time ago. We have other things to talk about now. Our discussion today is going to be centered around a lot of things coronavirus-related, um, including the small business loans, uh, stimulus checks, New York stay-at-home order, maybe golf. Um, so uh, let's kick it off with just saying hello, Congressmember DC and thank you for being here. It's
1: great to be with you, Heather. Thank you so much. It, it feels like, it really does feel like uh, a long time ago we were talking about USMCA and I think there's been there's been a lot of history making over the last year and a half since I, I took office, so it's a little too much history going on for for me.
0: Yeah, everything is unprecedented, um, and we're all kind of learning, flying by the seat of our pants. But but that being said, there's been a lot done at the federal level, and I know that you were involved uh, in those discussions. But let's let's start with the the Small Business Administration (SBA) loans. Um, just yesterday, we heard that. The funding is dried up. Um, the SBA put out numbers showing New York had gotten uh, had about forty one thousand small businesses apply and had gotten about twelve billion of the two or three hundred and forty eight billion. Um, what are you hearing? And and uh, and I guess you know the follow up question will be, is there more coming?
1: well absolutely there has to be more coming and and i we knew just from listening to economists uh when when this program was set up that 350 billion was not going to be enough money going into this but um SBA has made something like 14 years worth of loans over the last 14 days uh so it's been it's been unprecedented and businesses uh are still uh, applying right now and uh have been told that the money has run out uh but still have applications in so Congress really has to come together right now, uh, put our differences aside and add more money to this program as quickly as possible, uh, because we got to keep these businesses going. So when this pandemic uh, and the public health crisis starts to subside, these businesses are able to stand up again and 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 get back to work. So um, people aren't interested in, in the blame game. I, I know there's a lot of that going on in Washington right now, uh, but we got to we got to just step up and add some more money into this program. And we got to do other things too. We got to look at uh, funding for hospitals. We got to look for funding for state and local governments. I think we can do that as well. Uh, but we got to get more, more money into the small business program.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I saw something today, or yeah, the email is just flying right um, lately because that seems to be um, the preferred method of communication these days. But um, I saw something yesterday that said that if you had applied for. Um, a the apparel protection program loan, and you were given an SBA number. That means the money is there. That that you know that um, the SBA committed your you know funds to that loan number. Um, but if you didn't have the number, then you have to check with your bank um, to see. But so for anyone who's applied, you know, and I and I you know I I have a, a next door neighbor who's got a restaurant uh, who did apply um, and hasn't heard anything. Um, I'm. My next question to him is going to be: Did you get a number? Because if you got a number, there's money there. Um, otherwise, you're going to have right. to wait for the next round. So, so yeah. you know, um, we're a we're a C six the business council, as are many chambers of commerce, associations. Um, a lot of clubs are organized as nonprofits, but not C threes and um, nonprofit um, entities. Only C threes and C twelves were eligible under the program, and I don't know if you were aware of that, but. So all yep. the local chambers who are obviously going to be impacted really hard by this are probably going to be hurt. Do you do you have any sense of whether or not that might be coming back?
1: Um, I th- I think that may be coming back. I actually have been doing a lot of uh, uh, Zoom calls and conference calls with uh, my local chambers across the district over the last couple of weeks, and and that's an issue that's been brought up uh, a number of times. How C sixes cannot apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, we're talking right now about a fourth stimulus package in, in Washington, um, and I, I've submitted a, a letter to leadership uh, just laying out my priorities and what I'd like to see in a fourth stimulus package included in that would be expanding the Paycheck Protection Program to C6 organizations, because, again, the chambers uh, do such a, a great job. You're promoting uh, the businesses that are members of the chamber. You are doing advocacy on their behalf. Even right now, during this pandemic, uh, we're seeing chambers step up uh, in, in all kinds of ways to help assist businesses through this uh, this uh, crisis that we're going through. So I think they should be able to apply, and and hopefully that can be something that's included in in a future uh, stimulus package.
0: Yeah. Any any sense of what you know the next round might look like monetarily? I mean, I know for the payroll protection program, when there was <clears throat> some discussion about it last week, they were talking another two hundred and fifty billion. But that would be just for that program, correct? There would be more for the municipal and and uh, any expansion. Is that is that right? Yeah,
1: right. So there's talk right now of uh, adding another two hundred and fifty billion to the paycheck protection program. Um, there is some talk about funding for hospitals. That's a big need here in New York, of course, because our hospitals are on the front line of this pandemic. And because they've had to shut down all non-urgent surgeries, um, they're just hemorrhaging money and have no revenue coming in. So uh, we got to get some more funding to our hospitals. I represent a rural district and have community hospitals. And I can tell you that You know, they they don't have cash on hand to sustain themselves for for weeks or months at a time without new revenue coming in. So we got to get them some help. And then, of course, you know, the state is facing a a really big uh, budget deficit with the 10, anywhere from 10 to 15 billion dollar hole that that New York is facing. So we got to get help to New York as well yeah you know, I think that even two hundred fifty billion dollars may not be enough into the paycheck protection program. We've heard from economists that have said that you know it's going to take somewhere around a trillion dollars to really uh, get to every business out there across the country. and and I, I I do think that we have to be mindful and and some of the numbers I'm seeing coming out of the SBA are a little bit troubling uh, in terms of how this money is being distributed across the country. For example, um SBA came out with some some data that, And there was an analyzed by by Bloomberg.com that New York companies have have secured half as many loans as Texas companies, even though the the share of New York's labor force that has filed for unemployment is twice as high as Texas. And right now, under this Bloomberg.com article, it looks like New York is only 23% of our loans have been approved, which puts puts us 50 out of 51, including the District of Columbia, where you have Nebraska at number one in terms of the number of loans approved, they've had like 75% of their loans approved. So I'm not sure where the inequity is coming from here, but we got to make sure that the, the money is getting out to the areas that are hit the hardest. And that certainly would be New York.
0: Yeah. So I, we were curious about those numbers too. We saw the numbers in Texas and thought, well, what, you know, what is the variable? Because there's certainly not, I mean, I'm sure there's many, many small businesses in Texas, but Um, I wouldn't think there were more that were more impacted than in New York. Um, And then of course there was a question because there was an expanded pool of financial institutions that could service the loans or you could, you could get the loans through. We were sort of speculating as to whether or not they had maybe a a large community bank system um, that was, you know, different than New York, but um, yeah, it's, it's very curious to see the, the inequities and, uh, I think, you know, hopefully there'll be some attention paid to that moving forward in the next round so that, um, I, I don't think anyone questions that New York was the hard is, has been the hardest hit so far. Um, so any, anyways, <laughs> on, yeah. on that happy yeah. note, um, are you, are you, <laughs> um, hearing from businesses who have secured loans? I've talked to some, um, not as many as you would think. Um, but I, I'm just wondering if you are hearing, are the loans impactful, have have people been able to access the funding?
1: Um, I've heard, I've heard a mix. I've heard from businesses that have secured loans. I've heard from businesses that have had their uh, loans approved by SBA, but have not received funding yet. I've heard from businesses that have not heard back from their, their lenders yet. So it's a mix right now. And, and one of the challenges I think too, is especially representing a a rural district like mine, there's a lot of mom and pop uh, businesses. I have a lot of agriculture in the district, a lot of small dairy farms, and, and that's another concern I have. I, I wanna make sure obviously that those, those entities, those groups are also getting attention under this Paycheck Protection Program because th- these, these groups may not have as sophisticated uh, relationships with their lenders. They don't have accountants. Um, so uh, and, and many of them, I can tell you farms are very cautious before they go out and take loans. So you know they may not be the first in line uh, to go out and sign up for funding, so you know we got to be careful too that the money is going everywhere uh, and getting across the board here and especially into rural areas uh, that uh, may not have as uh, as as tight a relationship with their bank or their lender.
0: yeah, we heard a lot about um, struggles of dairy farms. I think last week, um there was a sort of rumor going around that um, some stores were limiting people's ability to purchase milk, which um there's no shortage of milk available it's just it's a different outlet right the 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 dairy farmers that provide restaurant and hotels and schools milk now have to redirect their supply to grocery stores and convenience stores but you know for anyone who's listening to this go buy some milk it's good it's good for you We, (laughs) we we
1: want we want to run on milk like a run on toilet paper right now because there is too much supply out there and and that's a big challenge, especially for, for dairy farmers. That's that's our main commodity in, in New York's 22nd district. And they are really hurt right now because they were already on very shaky ground before this with the pricing. Um, now, because restaurants are purchasing and most school lunch programs, although are still operating to some extent, it's nowhere near where they were before the pandemic. So um, the processors who who are processing the milk have to figure out how to retool to get the supply to where the largest demand is right now, and that's in grocery stores. They've seen a 40% increase in dairy uh, sales, uh, as well as food banks. Food banks, you've seen the lines of food people going to food banks right now because folks are out of work or waiting for their stimulus check. So trying to get the supply to where it is is a tough thing to shift in the industry. In the meantime, USDA, uh, much like Paycheck Protection Program, is making... Uh, direct payments, is planning to make direct payments to farmers, but it's nowhere near enough Uh, what has to be done. We got to get more help to our our farmers as well.
0: Yeah, unlike, um, you know, hard goods, you can't just slow down production. I mean, the cows are going to make the milk whether you sell it or not, so.
1: Yeah, um, that's for sure.
0: Do you know, I mean, just switching, switching gears just a little bit, um, do you know if there's any um, discussion of Pension relief um, in the next uh, round of and, and I'm sorry if I'm catching off guard on that. I'm just That's just okay. curious. Is you know even before um, the coronavirus uh, crisis, there are a lot of multi-employer and single-employer pension p- plans that were severely underfunded um, and and it, it can be a, a very uh, long-term burden in keeping these pension plans funded. But obviously important for people who are retirees and counting on these pensions. Um, there hasn't been any pension relief, significant pension relief in many years. And I know that there was increasing pressure to do that. Um, now, obviously the pressure is, is, is gotta be acute. The need is acute because um, any of these pension plans that were invested in the market, and I think most of them were, took a huge hit uh, first, first quarter of this year. So I, I don't know if you've heard anything on uh, planning uh, any kind of federal relief on these.
1: Nothing concrete. There has been talk about that. We actually did pass uh, in the House the the Butch Lewis Act, which would provide some pension relief to some of these uh, multi-employer plans. Um, The Senate hasn't acted on that yet. Um, There was talk around USMCA when that was being negotiated, uh, possibly including a a portion of that into that um, uh, overall legislation. That didn't pan out. Um, There has been talk again during the stimulus uh, about doing something in terms of pension relief. Um, I don't think it's something that's uh, in the queue for the interim bill um, right now to add more money to small businesses. I think that's the most immediate need. It's something that people are talking about in Washington. I'm, um, I'm not sure what will happen with it. But uh, again, there are a lot of uh, pension plans out there that are kind of left in the balance uh, and and uh, retirees who, who are left in the balance right now uh, because of that. So it's 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 something that's being discussed.
0: Okay. Um, so yesterday, um, the, the president spoke a lot about um, reopening and getting the country back up and open um, and maybe having some differences um, based on where there's um, you know, the greatest impact of the outbreak, obviously New York City, um, would be one of the, I would think, one of the last places that um, would be fully back and reopen. But have, have there been conversations in Congress about getting involved in this, and and um, and what do you think of of an accelerated reopening?
1: There, there definitely are discussions, and and I think there has to be a a, a role Congress plays here in in conjunction with the administration. Um, you may have seen the president appointed a, a number of members of Congress to a, a, a reopening task force. Um, I think that's a good thing. We, you know, you want to have this be as bipartisan as possible. Just like any piece of legislation, I always say if you can get both parties to pass it, <laughs> uh, buy into it, then it's going to, you know, the American people are going to buy into it and it's going to be generally accepted in the public. Same thing here with reopening the government. You can see some of the political battle lines starting to be drawn. Um, and we've got to try and avoid that. This should not be based on politics. It should be based on science. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by some of the talks that are happening now. And it seems like the president's backed off some of his earlier rhetoric that he has sole authority where uh, his plan that he came out with this week uh, seems to leave it more in the hands of the governors working in conjunction with the federal government, which I think is the way it should be done. So um, we have to have a, a, a plan here and, and there are talks in Congress about how we move forward here, we're trying to figure out too in Congress how do we how do we come back uh, to to do voting um, in in this uh, current situation that we're in because um, we're going to have to pass another stimulus package, we're going to have to pass an interim package, and we have no system right now as we as I speak on, on remote voting. Um, the House actually just came out with a plan yesterday for remote voting um, that's being flushed out. So. We got to figure out a way to do that because, you know, businesses are adapting right now to this reality that we're in. It's, You know, they're doing t- telephone conferences and more is being done through email. Uh, there's no reason why Congress can't figure out a way to do this as well, um, especially as we're passing trillion dollar economic stimulus packages. Um, we need to make sure that we're there uh, at least uh, remotely, if, if necessary, to be able to do that and keep the country functioning. Uh, and that's something that's being talked about in the House right now.
0: Yeah. So that that's interesting. I mean, I was trying to imagine, you know, do do members of Congress get together? I know there's a lot of coalitions and there, and of course there's, each state has its own delegation. And I, I was, you know, trying to picture giant Zoom meetings with all the Congress people <laughs> on them in their houses. It, and,
1: it happens, actually. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I'm part of that, uh, the problem solvers caucus, which is the bipartisan caucus in the House, 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans, Tom Reed here in New York is the uh, Republican co-chair. Uh, Josh Gottheimer is the Democrat co-chair from New Jersey, and and we've been doing calls every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And you'll get you'll get 25, uh, 30, sometimes 40 members on the call at a time, and it's it can be a little unruly sometimes. But we've actually been uh, putting together plans of our own on a reopening of the government that we're going to be releasing later on uh, today. So there there are talks happening. Um, we're figuring it out, there's no reason why Congress as a, as a whole can't figure it out. Um, and even when we get back, because I think this social distancing is going to be some aspect of our life, uh, face masks are going to be some aspect of our life going forward here, at least until a vaccine is developed. Um, so we got to figure out ways, even when we're back in Washington, how we can conduct hearings, because you, most of our hearing rooms aren't set up. I mean, you, there's, it's impossible to social distance in some of these hearing rooms because they're so small um so we got to figure out ways that we can do this given the new reality that we're in
0: yeah i mean it's amazing how um how fast we've had to adapt to technology that actually was out there um you know probably yeah. two month two months ago um doing daily zoom meetings is something i i would have not even considered and uh and Me either. <laughs> i would have needed to recruit the talents of my you know my uh college-age son <laughs> to, to try and figure it out. <laughs> now I'm like a wizard. I can change my Zoom background, uh, you know, even during a call. And um, so when you when you have your caucus meetings, do, do you guys do fun things like wear hats or have cocktail parties or anything?
1: <laughs> well, the, the, the larger caucus meetings are mostly done on a telephone, so you can't really see what people are doing. Um, the smaller uh, Zoom meetings we're doing in some of the, the caucuses, I'm involved in like um, the Blue Dogs or or uh, problem solvers; th- those can be a little more fun. And then, you know, I'm obviously friendly with some members of of, of Congress uh, and, and, uh, on a on a more personal basis. And, and we've been getting together, um, you know, five or eight of us at a time, just kind of going through and, and doing more fun things over Zoom. So it is amazing what you can what you can learn in in, in a very short time. And and like you, I I have a 12 year old son who has to instruct me on on technology these days. So it's it's helpful having him home.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the lasting changes that is going to come out of all of this is we're going to be much more, um, uh, I think, mm, in, inclined to use technology with work instead of just for Netflix and, and things like that. I mean, it pretty it, it is pretty amazing how fast um, at least the business council adapted. We've got 44 employees all working remotely. And uh, speaking of which, the governor yesterday said, uh, we're now extending the what, remote work order for non-essential business until May 15th. Um, what yeah. do you, do you have a, a, a view on that? And, and is it, when is it going to be over? I know <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> that's,
1: that's like the number one question I get whenever I do do meetings, when is it going to be over? And, uh, I, I wish I knew I really do. I think, like I said earlier, I think, it, I think the science really has to dictate the, the conversation on this whole thing. And, uh, No, look, we do have parts of the state that have been hit harder than other parts of the state. So we look at staggering uh, those dates. Uh, You know, that's something that maybe we should talk about. Um, But uh, you know, it's important that um, you know what we don't want to see is a a second wave of this pandemic come through, a second wave of this virus hit us uh, if we move too quickly reopening things. Uh, So we got to be careful how we do it because. Uh, I would like to see this be just a very short-term recession that we're going through. If we see a second wave of this thing come through, it's going to become more of a global economic recession or even a depression uh, if we don't uh, if we don't get this thing under control over the summer and into the fall. So, uh, hopefully, you, things will start to subside in in the, in the next month or so.
0: And do you see that being sort of a, a next phase for Congress? What do we do in a recession? Um, you know what what, it, what are the policy things that can be done at the federal level and and the state level um i i have some ideas so um yeah
1: well i i mean we're always looking for ideas so i think you you know share share anything you got out there but i think there's going to have to be further monetary and fiscal policy that both congress is going to have to take part in as well as the fed and other central banks across the across the globe to prevent a a further global recession um, but uh, I think you know if we can get businesses back, we can get them through this time period where they're shut down and and get them uh, covered. Um, hopefully, once this uh, health crisis ends, we can get back up and running and really um, hopefully not skip a beat. But there'll be some there's going to be some short term pain um, depending on how long the health crisis lasts. It, you know, maybe more longer term. We, we just don't know yet.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'll, we'll, I'll hold you to, We'll, we'll have a part two and to talk about ideas for um, how to maybe fix the global supply chain so that we're not so dependent on, uh, oh. you know, on on other economies uh, in order to keep our own going. Um, I want to see repatriation of things like paper manufacturing and pharmaceutical and medical device manufacturing. Um, and those are areas where New York historically has been very strong, but over the last two decades lost a lot of those uh, manufacturing um, facilities to other countries because they didn't have quite the same cost environment, maybe didn't have the labor protections or the environmental protections that New York has. So I, I think you know, there's real opportunities here um, for us to recognize the value of having you know, some of this occur on, on U.S. soil. Um,
1: Well, I would love the Business Council to look at my Made in America Emergency Preparedness Act, Heather, because I think it's uh, something that's right up your alley. And uh, it's a bipartisan bill that would uh, bring a lot of this manufacturing back to our country for these uh, essential goods that are really necessary during a national uh, crisis, like medical supplies and pharmaceuticals and other equipment that's uh, needed during a national emergency. So I got to send that over to you guys.
0: Yeah, I look forward to reading it. And I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Um, I'm, I'm still imagining some virtual party of, of members of Congress in my head. And it, it would be fun for me, but for some people, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it's always anyways, fun to see
1: everyone's background, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, stay safe. And, and we really appreciate your time. And thanks for everything that you do for New York.
1: Well, you too. Thank you to the Business Council and all the advocacy you guys do. It's a great organization, great members, and uh, I always look forward to working with you guys.